Welcome everybody back to another episode of Apashi Yid. This week I have the privilege of sitting down with Aiden Feinberg, who uh, is a dear friend, and Chavrusa, uh, and we went to yeshiva together, and it's someone who I respect a lot, and uh, it's an honor and privilege that we get to sit down and speak, and I'm glad we finally got to make this happen. It's been a, it's been a long time uh, in, the, in the making, and... You know, just uh, get to share your story with the, with the world and get to know you a little better. So, what was going on back way back when? Little Aiden running around. Uh, what was your family like? What was going on in your life? Where did you live? To give us give us some of the story. So, so first of all, I just want to thank you for having me on this podcast. It's a pleasure. It's a treat. It's an honor. All of the above. Anything I can go ahead and say. And you're doing great work with this podcast. And I really think this is, um, you know, a lot of podcasts have like this overall, like uh, this this larger, you know, like more holistic, like world, like, you know, like meaningful people or whatever it is. Yeah. No offense to them, but but like 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 talking to, you know, like average people is also needed. So so you're doing tremendous work. Um, so you're asking you. me about my childhood. Right? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Israel. Um, I, I, was, uh, I was born to an Israeli mother and an American father. My, my dad moved to Israel. My, my mom, um, they got married a little later in the game uh, when they were around 35 years old. Both of them were 35. Um, and um, when I was growing up, um, I mean, I was basically fully Israeli. My dad, my, dad, my dad doesn't really know, so I mean, he knows Hebrew, but he spoke the... You know, even after he moved to Israel, he spoke English to, because most people know English, right? So he has a he has a little bit of like uh, he knows Hebrew, but it's a difficult like uh, process. So I basically basically just grew up Israeli, and my dad tried to speak Hebrew as much as he could. Um, so I didn't learn a lot of English when I was a kid. Um, but I grew up in Israel. My mom, my mom's fully Israeli. Her her father is is a fifth generation Yerushalmi, so she's sixth generation in Israel, and I'm seventh generation in Israel. Originally, their family came from Syria. And my mother, my, my my mother's mother, came from Morocco when the, the state was founded, oh, the state wow. of Israel was founded. And my father, uh, my father, like we said a second ago, was American. Um, his father was also American, and his mother came from Romania. She actually was in Israel for a little bit, and then after after the war, and then she moved to America. So right. I grew up in Israel. Uh, my family was more traditional. Uh, my mother's parents, that that's a completely different. Uh, uh, that's their own. That's an own story, for itself. That that's its own. That that's a, a separate story for itself. Um, were, were meaning they, they they My mom grew up traditional, but later on in life, my my grandfather got into a certain accident, um, not a car accident. There was a certain like uh, I don't know how to call these things in the road in Israel. You have like these like uh, these half circle things. You know, like these half spheres. You know what I'm talking about? Like it, it's like these car things to prevent cars from I guess okay. walk, going on the sidewalk. Yeah, Fine. so so he was a big manager in Bezek, and apparently had to go somewhere in the middle of the night because they had some some problem, and he was rushing and he slipped on it and he had a tremendous like a big concussion, and like um that awakened him meaning he 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 was affected that until uh until the end of his life um he wasn't able to go ahead he was like half a little bit not paralyzed but like he had from a difficulty walking with half of his body, oh, wow. um, so so like but that inspired him to go ahead and, and to take on greater observance of Yiddishkeit and other things. And uh, 
I think I think it was a little bit before that they started giving Shabbos, but eventually things spiraled and he and he became a leader of, a, of the community in in Ramat Gan. Um, there was no shul in our particular neighborhood at, at that time. I mean, there were shuls in Ramat Gan, but not in, in the particular right. neighborhood. It was called Marum Nave. Um, and he went ahead and took an initiative to go ahead and find found this found the shul. Um, initially it was in a store, and apparently it had a tremendous amount of protest. People didn't want to show him the neighborhood. You, you can imagine, you know. Right. Because right, right, and he just, didn't. Uh, Ramat Gan is a very secular area of Israel. Yeah, yeah, especially the place we were living at in the time, Ramat um, Gan. That that was a tremendous secular place. So there's much of protest. We don't want. They they claimed it's noise. It's a noise, <laughs> um, but right. it, it wasn't. It was it wasn't noise. The current, the current, the current thing that's in the place that the shul was initially was was, the, it was my my grandfather rented out of the store, right? So now it's a pizza place. It's a pizza shamashar. You can go ahead and get pizza there for twenty five shekels, but um, so 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 my grandfather initially went ahead and and he went and and, and you know like the mayor didn't want to build him a shul, and they were fighting for it because like you know the certain amount of money in Israel in America the government I don't think gives so as it gives like money to religious institutions. I'm saying it could be they do, but like not a tremendous amount of money to build the shul, right? But in Israel, it doesn't work that way. The government goes ahead right. and pays and is involved with religion, right? So, 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 um, so they wanted the mayor to go ahead and build the shul, and he didn't want to. And they said, fine, you know, if, if we're going to get protests outside of the store, and you're not going to let us, but you're not going to build the shul for us. So they took the, the shul to, to the mayor's office. <laughs> they, they, they took it they to, to, to the city hall. Right, so they went ahead and dive in there. Apparently, they had a, they had they had, they had a, a tainus with slichus or something like that. I don't know if I'm getting the details right. Right, in the city hall and it's public space, wow. so they can't kick them out. Right, <laughs> yeah. So eventually, the mayor gave in and he said, "Okay, we already had plans to build a shul." Yeah, so they built a shul, um, and it was like a nice, beautiful structure. And at this time, my grandfather was like the the, the like the the runner of this, of like, he wasn't, he wasn't like, you know, he had rabbis coming for the, we, we lived right on the border, border of Nebrak. So he, so he made connections with all these rabbis that came to give shirim. And like, he had, a, he had like, you know, shear this, shear that, shear right. that, you know, shear in the morning, shear at night, and Shabbos, whatever it is. He had, he had like this like slew of rabbis of like, uh, you know, like baseball players and all, but, but like, you know, like rabbis coming to go ahead and, and from Nebrak right. coming ahead and going to touch Gemara to, to have other shear right, Torah, was, to, to make it a lively place. This was the show you grew yeah. up in? Yeah, so so I haven't gotten to the point that happened. So so they so they, they what what basically the mayor told them, this is the mayor told them that, that he's building the mashul, right? And and he's gonna give him a caravan, a, a caravan, yeah, for the for the time being. So so they were davening there for a little bit. They're building a shul. When it came time to move into the shul, the mayor changed his mind. He said, "I don't want these rabbis coming in from Nebrak that didn't serve in the army. I want a Tzioni rabbi." So he basically gave my grandfather the choice: you can come into the shul and whatever it is, but we're gonna ditch your rabbis. We're gonna we're gonna get our own rabbi, right? The rabbi that served in the army. So my grandfather said, my grandfather is a big uh, my, my grandfather is a big Zionist. I'm saying he's a Zionist. He served in he served uh, he served in the war. He served in '67. He served in Yom Kippur. He served in the Lebanon War, right? But he wasn't willing to go ahead and give up on the people that 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 went came to him from Israel for twenty years to go ahead and teach Torah. So he said, okay. Go to the shul, and he stayed in the caravan for a while. Eventually, the mayor built him a little bit of a nicer caravan, but uh, got it. So that's this is the, this is the shul I grew up in. This is um. So my family my, themselves were traditional, right? So right. You, you, it, it, what, it, 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 can you describe exactly what traditional, you know, 
So, so, so when when Israel in Israel when you say Masoti or traditional, it's a lot more than you say. Like a traditional person here, you know, like uh, might in, in America might be defined as a person that has a Friday night dinner, but like you know might have like non kosher food on the Friday night dinner, right? So in Israel, it's a lot different. So I grew up. Um, I'm saying we didn't keep all the pro, like the details and the prate prate of Shabbos and stuff like that. But there's a certain like status quo on Shabbos. I'm saying, uh, my mom, my mom didn't use her phone on Shabbos. Um, we did turn on lights, yeah. And I, m- I might have watched TV sometimes, but like, you know, we had Kiddush Friday night. Um, we had, uh, we went to, we were at, by my grandfather's a lot. We lived down the street from them. So we were by my grandparents a lot. And then we would go every, for every Shabbos day to go and eat by their house. Right. So, so I, I, so at that time, even though we weren't pr- practically like observant of all the laws, we were very connected. We used to go to shul every Shabbos. We were very, I was very connected to my grandfather and that, so I kind of grew up in his shadow. Got it. Wow. Sounds like an amazing person, and I see we I see a lot of that fire and energy coming coming from you. Now, fine. So you grew up, you know, more traditional as as you described, and now, well, now you're in America. So how did you get? How did your family get to America, and why did they move to America? So, right. So my initially, initially, um, when I was eight years old, my father moved moved to America because he wanted to go ahead and experiment with different job opportunities. So um he uh, like he had a uh, I guess I guess yeah I mean I don't know all the details of uh of w- what particular like drove him to go ahead and just decide but he wanted to go ahead and pursue different job opportunities so he wanted to try out America we were gonna be here for a trial for one year and see what happens next at that time when we came to America we moved to Fort Lee Fort Lee is where my father grew up and my grandparents were still living and they were still living in the apartment that that my father grew up in um so so we moved a little bit uh, very close to them. And during that time, my grandfather, my grandfather, my father's father, ended up. He's a story for himself. He he was served in nineteen forty eight. He went to Israel. He was the youngest uh, volunteer. They snuck him into the country. He was a fully American. I think he grew up in uh, either Queens or Brooklyn. I have to find out. That's a little embarrassing. I don't know that. Yeah, but 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 uh, they snuck him into the country. He was the youngest uh, uh, volunteer from outside. Um, they, they call it Machal. Right, mit right. Nadve right? And his youngest volunteer at the time, he was 17 years old, and they stuck him to the country, and his parents got very upset, uh, and he served in 1948. So, so uh, and then also, also, like, after he went ahead and uh, after Israel won, he came back to America. Eventually, he eventually went on a visit to, to Israel, and he met my grandmother, and he took her back to America after they met. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so because my grandmother, if we go ahead and backtrack to what I said earlier, she, she was in Romania, and then after the war, they moved to Israel. So I have a lot of Israel on both sides of my family, right, okay. but, but right. So so um so my grandfather, uh, at that so after the, my grandfather left the army, um he meaning in Israel he came back to America and he was like he was a voucher in Israel, for, for Israel for his whole life I think for for certain things he went around spoke in certain places uh, going and vouching on behalf of Israel and he also has a movie of the like uh, it's called My Brother's Keeper, of the like like a documentary. Of the nineteen forty-eight, uh, about certain uh, about the machal, um, about the, the members of machal and stuff like that. So my grandfather, when he, we got to America, he became he got got sick. So my father had to stay. So so the one year trial period ended up going ahead and ch- changing to like I don't know like twelve years later now at this current moment, thirteen years f- fourteen almost wow. fourteen years later. Wow! Wow! So yeah, and uh, which uh, which school did you go to in America? So initially, when we came to America, my mother sent us to public school. It was always like a fate to me, meaning since I, I grew up again, like, I, I, like with a lot of Judaism in my life, it felt very uncomfortable. 
meaning I would, and I, even though I wasn't from at that moment, I, I remember, I remember my, my grandmother, the first year where we were living in America, when I was in public school, she came, she came to visit us and she taught me, like she's from, right? Meaning from Israel, right? So she taught me how to say brachas and stuff. She's taught me how to go ahead and uh, Birkas HaShachar every morning. For a certain period of time when I was a kid, I was going ahead and saying it when I was eight years old. Getting up and saying it, and some days I went to school with a kippah, not because I was from, but because I felt like a certain like passion, like I have to go ahead and like show, like you know, like be myself or whatever it is, right? Even though I wasn't right. from, and we're like we're doing stuff. Um, meaning, because um, you, meaning you felt that from because you came from Israel, because you. Yeah, also because I had a tremendous connection with my grandfather when I was growing up. Right. With my grandparents, right? But I was in their houses a lot. Uh, in their house a lot. So, so I felt like I needed something more. So I was complaining for my, for, to my mother for a little bit, you know, send me to a Jewish school, send me to a Jewish school. And she was looking around in the, we live in Fort Lee. So we have Teaneck nearby, we have Englewood nearby. She was looking around the, the Jewish schools around the area and she didn't really find the exact fit. So for a little bit, they were like, there was this like back and forth. I want to go to Jewish school. And she also wanted me to have a Jewish education. She just wasn't able to go ahead and find a place at the moment to go ahead and facilitate what she was looking for. Okay. So after a little bit of uh, back and forth, it came time to go ahead and graduate elementary school. So the question was where I'm going to go to where, where I'm going to go ahead and go for middle school. So we had a couple of options. We had we could have went to the middle school in Fort Lee. And my, and my mom was also uh, like on the side looking for for a, a, a potentially Jewish school to send us to. So she was she connected very strong to Solomon Schechter. The principal there was an Israeli, uh, Ruth Gaffney, she's an amazing lady. Um, and my mother connected to her very much. And and she felt like, and there was all of Israelis also going ahead and sending their kids to the school. And wasn't so religious, while at the same time it was like more traditional. Like in Israel, they actually call the conservative movement, the, the, the like the Mesotim movement, meaning which was like the traditional that I went ahead. It's not exactly the same, obviously, right? Because they like do certain things that aren't necessarily in the confines of Allah and stuff, um, but but um, right. my my mother felt a tremendous connection, and she felt like it was an appropriate move to go ahead and send us to Salman Shachter. So I was there for a couple of for seventh to eighth grade. Wow. And and you know, right? Then I want to take a pause, and again, we don't have video yet, as uh, as <laughs> we're working on it, uh, but so people can't see you. So, but you right now are sitting in front of me, uh, well on Zoom. This is also our first Zoom interview. Uh, you're sitting in front of me and a lot of firsts here <laughs> a lot of firsts and you have a full big beard big black kippah uh you're learning you're learning torah uh, you know a lot of the day and that's uh you know as as you're saying like salman shachter is more traditional um so when when exactly did the did you start let's say moving towards the more uh to more where, like where you are today did that start in salman shachter uh, what was going on there? So it it, it started with Salman Shachter, but it didn't start because of Salman Shachter. So I'll explain to you what happened. So at this at this point in my life, as much as I was connecting, I felt the connection to my grandparents, I felt the connection to Yiddishkeit, and I wanted to go to Jewish school. I wasn't necessarily so observant to things, right? I, I remember as a kid, I'm saying, even though we didn't really keep Shabbos, my father going ahead and like at this, like a little bit earlier than this time, me going to Salman Shachter would bother me every Shabbos, even though he wasn't so observant of Shabbos himself. I was playing video games on Shabbos, and he was pushing me to stop playing video games on Shabbos, and he got upset at me multiple multiple occasions. I told you not to play video games on Shabbos, and I told you. And so so I, I, I had a push to some extent in my house, 
And I wasn't necessarily going ahead and falling in line with everything. And my mother likes to remind me a lot that when my grandfather, my grandfather taught us from our mitzvah, when we, when we were kids, we would go to Israel every summer. So I, had a, I still had a connection and interaction with my grandparents after I moved to America. And my grandfather in the summers would teach me from our mitzvah a couple of years earlier. Right? So she would go ahead and like, she, my mom likes reminding me how I would go ahead and like, uh, I would hide in my room on my phone on Shabbos. Yeah? And I would not want to go to the Shabbos table. I didn't want to learn with my grandfather most of the times. Right, for the bar mitzvah. You've come a long so, way. <laughs> yeah, I've come a long way. Yeah. So I went to Salman Shechter. And as much as Salman Shechter is great, and, you know, like, and it gave me, you know, there was great teachers there. And they gave me, like, the, 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 I really enjoyed the Torah learning there, like the Chumash, like, especially. I had, a, I, had a great, I had a teacher in eighth grade called Mr. Shapiro. Shout out to Mr. Shapiro. If he's going to probably not going to listen to this, but, um, but he's a great teacher. He gave me a tremendous amount of knowledge. It was just a homage class, right? But as much as I was enjoying it, I wasn't really practically observing it, observing Torah mitzvahs. What happened was is that I made friends with a couple of uh, with a couple of kids that were more modern Orthodox. I would go ahead and say, and their 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 parents are were a little bit in the middle, so they sent them to Salman Shechter, and and like they gave me, I guess, more of a connection, even though I was connected to my grandparents, of like observant Yiddishkeit. So event like I don't I don't know if they remember this, but at least in my mind, maybe I'm wrong. But they were like, "Oh, why don't you keep Shabbos? Why don't you do this? Whatever it is," and like these weren't things that are as opposed to so like 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 little seeds were planted in my head, even though I wasn't thinking I'm gonna maybe may I was thinking to myself maybe I'll observe Shabbos in the future, maybe I'll keep Shabbos in the future. Right. And came along eighth grade, and now it's time to look for high schools, right? I didn't know what high school I was going to go look into, so I was already in Jewish system, so I wanted to go in a continued Jewish system. And my two friends over there, shout out to Josh and Itai, um, went ahead, and they were applying to Frisch. And I was like, apparently Frisch is a good secular education. My mom was very happy with it, you know, good Jewish education. So, so my mom was very happy that I was applying to the school. And I'm, so, so comes along eighth grade, and I, I think I was interviewed around December. So comes along a couple of weeks before my interview. And I go to myself, if I want to show off for the interview, if I want to get into the school, maybe I'll keep Shabbos the week before and be like, oh, I tried keeping Shabbos, right? So I can go ahead and give a good image to the interviewer as if as, uh, to get into the school. So right. my mom's like, okay, fine. You, you can do whatever you want, yeah? I'm saying even though we're going to Shul on Shabbos again, like we, we, right. uh, the period of time we're going to Chabad in Fort Lee. I'm, I'm still very connected to the Chabad Rabbi and fourthly, shout out to Rabbi Konica. I'm giving a lot of shout outs. Um, and then for a period of time, we were going to the conservative shul in fourthly. Um, but but basically, when I was in Salman Shechter, I was also, on one hand, I was seeing like, um, that, that I felt that my, my version, the version of Judaism that I was experienced to when I was a kid, via my grandfather, felt a lot more authentic to me, right. meaning for my own personal situation. Um, and and like at the same time, I was going ahead and like I guess I guess this first interview got me to go ahead and like what the heck? Let's keep one Shabbos, right? So I kept the Shabbos, and obviously I didn't know all the halachas of Shabbos, and I probably broke Shabbos a lot that Shabbos, right? But I was trying to not touch. Uh, and I remember a couple of weeks beforehand, I tried here and there to maybe I'll oh, keep Shabbos here and there, but then I turned on the light backs, and I'm like, okay, it's over, and then I can start going back to start playing video games. Yeah, and I remember even at this time when I wasn't go- when I wasn't practically observing Shabbos, I remember I was playing this video game Destiny. I, 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 Destiny at the time was I was very addicted to this game, right? And and I remember I was playing a certain like six player activity, and you know like there's a certain 
time at the, at the activity right. that you, you like you got picked on from all the other players. And I was davening to Hashem on it. Shabbos while I was playing the video game, wow. right, to go out and help me with that, <laughs> with with going ahead and getting picked. Right. That's amazing. So, so, so even so, th- that's what the Gemara says. The Gemara says that a Ganav that stands on the roof, yeah, before he's about to go ahead and go in and 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 like go in and steal, he calls out to Hashem because he ha- he has a namuna, he knows Hashem exists, but he doesn't practicalize it that my actions actually have an effect. Right. Right. So, so I started keeping Shabbos. I started keeping Shabbos that one week, and I remember going to my mom after Shabbos. I'm saying that was incredible. I don't know what it was. It was just a feeling of, like, I don't know, inner satisfaction, right? right? So if anyone wants to go ahead and say, I guess Frisch got me from. Frisch right. made me start keeping Shabbos. Yeah, right? not even Frisch, before you got into Frisch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, meaning the very concept of Frisch existing was what led me to go ahead and start keeping Shabbos. That's amazing. And we're back. So you kept this one Shabbos, and uh, in Mivasera, at least you were, you were part of the Frisch crew, part of the... You know, those group of guys, so I'm assuming you got into Frisch. And I'm sure, tell us about that transition, because, again, more traditional, keeping one Shabbos, one and a half Shabbosim, something like that. And and Frisch is a more considered modern Orthodox. I'm sure most people there were, uh, you know, practicing uh, Yiddishkeit a lot more than you were used to. So what was that, what was that tr- transition like? So, so I really started transition before I came into Frisch because after that one Shabbos I kept in December of 2014, maybe 2014, tw- yeah, 2014, I think. What happened was is that I felt so enlightened. Next week, first of all, I started praying on yarmulke all the time. And secondly, I asked my mom to buy a pair of tzitzis. And my mom was like freaking out. I'm saying not because she was against it, but like, what just happened here, right? One, and then I started wearing tzitzis. She, my mom, mother, tremendous person. She had, she had tremendous, much, just tremendously supported me. It just in the beginning times, you know, like there was a little bit of like a little bit of a shock, like what just happened here, right? Um. So she, so I'm like, I want to get paratitis. So she's like, okay, fine. She eventually got me paratitis, and I uh, started learning a little bit more, and I started going ahead and observing more and more. And I, this is when I got really more connected to Chabad because Chabad and Fort Lee was one of the more only Orthodox schools in the area. So I started right. going to Chabad, and I was very getting getting very close to Rabbi Kanakov. Rabbi Kanakov and the Chabad of Fortley, tremendous person. Like we mentioned, we mentioned, I mentioned him before a little bit. But um, so I was taking more on more and more and more. I, I wouldn't, I, at that point in time, I wasn't really like Chabad, I guess, uh, if you want to go ahead and call it the fine as that. I was taking on more and more and more. And in that year, we went to Pesach to Israel. Uh, meaning, meaning there was like, um, meaning I'm not, not during Pesach. After Pesach, Solomon Shachter took us on a trip to Israel. Right? There was a week long trip. And, be, and I had the opportunity to spend Pesach with my grandparents in Israel that year. Because I came a little early, so I spent Pesach with my grandparents. Yeah. And my grandfather, so at that point in time, I was getting a lot more from. And even though I was like only like, I guess, four months into it, right. I go to my grandfather, can we get a hat? So my grandfather goes like, sure, I'll get you a hat. Well, even why, was, why would you want that? <laughs> so at the time, you have to understand what my perspective was at the time I was just getting into observance of Yiddishkeit and I didn't really know what proper meaning the proper way to approach things is so to some extent at that time I was trying to get, attach myself and become part of something because I guess I felt like I didn't have that beforehand so I was trying to go ahead and I was chasing I guess if you want to go ahead and say externalities or whatever I wanted a hat right because I wanted to go ahead and uh, 
and feel, I guess, right. more from on the inside or feel more connected on the inside. Even though, practically speaking, seeing it, looking at it from today's perspective, I don't know if that would have been the best thing, right? But, you know, that's what ended up happening, right? I was a kid and I was just going ahead and following. And it ended up happening that I, got a, that I felt like I wanted a hat. My grandfather got me a hat. And you would have, should have seen me with this hat. This hat was gigantic. It was like a, like a very, very Litvish hat. <laughs> like a Bnei like Brak Litvish hat. Not even like an American Litvish wow. hat. It was like, like, my friends used to joke around. It was like, it, 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 it looks like a witch hat. You know, like right. a wicked witch of the West. Yeah. yeah. And my family made fun of me a little bit. And even when I went on the trip afterwards to Talmud Shachter, imagine going on a trip to Talmud Shachter and one of the kids shows up with a hat. And for Shabbos, I'm wearing a hat for the religious feelings and stuff. Wow. So it was it was a funny experience. It was a funny experience. So I was getting closer and closer. And that summer, meaning fast forwarding a little bit, that summer, my, my, my Rabbi Kanakov suggested to my mom that I should go to a certain camp. It was a Chabad camp. It was called the Manachai, and there's all about Shuvah in the camp. So my mother goes like, okay, fine. And I went there for two weeks, the last two weeks of the summer. Most of the summer I was home, but the last two weeks I went to, to this camp. And I got a taste of what Chabad was like. And I don't know what drove me in that moment to want to become, I guess, Chabad at that moment, right? But there was something, I felt connected and I felt like there was something there. So after that, those two weeks in the camp, I decided maybe to go ahead and switch over, switch lanes to Chabad, right? So I, I mean, and it made sense a little bit because I was connected to the Chabad Shlech and Fort Lee and I right. had like an in to that. So, so, I, so I started going ahead and observing Chabad Menhagim, at least trying to go ahead and do whatever I could. And that's how I came into Frisch. So I came into Frisch wearing a hat every day. Wow. Wearing a jacket every day. Wearing a white shirt. Uh, I don't know if white shirt every day, but white shirt a lot, yeah. So a lot of transition within that one year. Wow. I just want to pause. You're doing this in Salman Shachter, in Frisch. And even in Frisch, this is not the norm. I Many most guys are right. You know, wearing Yeezys. And... I mean, now it's more norm. Now it's more norm. There's a kid, there's a... I think there's one one kid there with a hat right now. Wow, yeah, you start you started you started a trend. Getting more from you started a trend. I don't know if it was me that started a trend. Yeah, but maybe I, I contributed to starting a trend. Right. Yeah, but uh, no. So my my question is like, where where does that come from to to be so comfortable that you're able to just okay, this is how I am, and I'm just gonna show up, and I look different than everybody else, and I'm wearing a giant boat hat or a white shirt and fresh. Like, where does that where does that come from? So I feel like I, I'm saying this type of like mindset, I guess, was in me since I was a little kid. Even when I was going to public school, I wanted to go ahead and show who I was. Because I guess I was born I, I mean, into a family that really tremendously valued not going ahead and hiding who you are. And being, to, being who you are, my grandfather, my grandfather from Holocaust went to Israel, even though everyone thought he was crazy. Yeah, he went to Israel to Suburban 48 when he was 17 years old. Meaning our family and my grandfather, my mother's side, fought in all the wars of Israel. Again, like, like we talked about earlier, like he built a shul. He's willing to stick up for what he believed in. So, so it, it's not me. It's the people that set the... I'm standing on giant shoulders. Um, I, I, was, I learned from these people in my life, and my parents too. My mother had a tremendous amount of mysterious to go ahead and get us to a Jewish school. Right. And, she, and, and, and she worked a lot to go ahead and to ingrain this, this feeling of Judaism within us. So... For me, it was like a natural thing, like at, at that moment in time. Like, if I feel like this is what I want to be, then why is there anything that would prevent me from going ahead and expressing who I am? I love that. That's amazing. I think 
yeah, I, I can get a lot of strength from that. And uh, I think a lot of people listening will, will hopefully take that, take that inspiration. And uh, there's a lot of things that hold us back. But a big thing is, you know, what are people going to think? How are they going to look at me? Um, obviously, you have to do it smartly, slowly, carefully. But, uh, you know, to get a little bit of chizuk. Which I didn't do at the time. I'm not saying to every first kid who was listening to the podcast to go ahead and put a hat in. Uh, right. You know, right. I'm just no. going to explaining what practically happened. Right. To say it. But again, a little bit of chizuk to... Like it's okay to be, you know be a little bit different if if that's if that's you know what you're trying to get to, and move towards. Um, so that's that's amazing. Now just uh yeah again you were in fresh for four years so uh well actually no you weren't I know so t- take us a little bit through through that high school uh you know the ups and downs and a little bit of your journey through high school. So the moment I went into fresh I wanted to leave. Because at this point in time, meaning after the summer, when I was so inspired in Chabad, I felt uncomfortable being in a place, even though, again, like I was just starting out the journey and I wasn't exposed to anything else. But I felt like I wanted to be in a place that was more from, I wanted to go to Yeshiva, right? Because that's, that, that's I'm saying, if I'm going to be Chabad, then I guess I might as well go to Yeshiva. So I was arguing with my mom the whole time to take me out of Frisch, right? It didn't really work out the first year. I was there for the first year in Frisch. And then I bothered her so much to the extent where she had to, because she felt like she had to take me out of Frisch halfway through sophomore year. And at that moment in time, I became, meaning during, during freshman year, for during freshman year in Frisch, I gained a tremendous amount uh, in learning Gemara. This was my first time really exposed to really learning Gemara. I had Gemara. I had rabbinics in Salman Shechter, right? But, but I, I, was, I, mean, I wasn't really exposed to like, what it is actually to learn Gemara. And I, I have a tremendous amount. I'm at uh, Karsa Tov to Rabbi Wald. Was, I was in Ashir in ninth grade in Frisch. It gave me a lot of chizuk and a lot of want and drive to go, and passion to go ahead and start learning Gemara. And and by the time I, I, I came into the second year of Frisch, I was very close to Rabbi Waldo. I was very, also very close to Rabbi Siner, the principal of Frisch. And we were getting very close, and he really had a lot of tremendous amount of empathy. I, I, I owe a tremendous amount to him. And and um, he basically let me, he took me out of a couple of classes in, in that year, sophomore year, and he told me I could learn. And then he talked to my mom and my dad, and eventually my dad. When my dad was very supportive throughout the way through, my dad was, my dad, my 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 dad told me that I should go ahead and pursue what I feel comfortable with and what I feel like is, uh, it's my calling, and my mom was a little bit more defensive, meaning not that he wasn't supporting, but she was a little more defensive because she felt like I needed a good secular education, and I first was offering that. Right. My dad was a little more free flowing, but my mom was, like you know, listen, you have to. You have, to, you have to get it right. You have to get the good secular education. You got to get a diploma. Right. So, but 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 through talking through her, Rabbi Sinner also talked to her a little bit. It was it, so she felt like she had. To, I mean, not she felt like she had to, but based upon my demands, based upon all the arguments, she eventually went. Okay, fine. Let's go look at yeshiva. Yeah, it's. looking at a couple of yeshivas. I, just want, I want to pause right there and just, uh, just for everyone, like to appreciate the fact that, right, you had people that were supporting your every move. Um, and again, your mom was had your best interest in mind, but at the end of the day, she wasn't, uh, you know, putting like a wall and saying like, or a line, right? And saying you can't cross this line, but you know, just carefully guiding you. And right again, right, exactly. I, I, that's a perfect way to put it. Right, carefully guiding me. Right, and uh, one one goal of this podcast is also, like personally, right, we're we're on the younger side <laughs> of uh, of life, Baruch Hashem, and I I do. Uh, one goal for this podcast is that is that older people will listen and will say, you know, teachers, parents, and say, like, look, 
you can there are certain battles that you should fight and certain things that are not worth fighting and 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 uh, I don't think you would have gotten or you wouldn't be in the same place if, if people were more like you know no like I'm putting my foot down and you can't do that you can't do that um, but you know they saw that you had a, a real drive and a real yearning to do this and they supported you and I think that's amazing so hopefully we can all learn from that right and uh, yeah I was tremendous amount to my parents for being yeah. like that supported me all the way through okay so now so my, now you went to go check out yeshiva so yeah so we, we found this yeshiva on Muncie it was called Leif Tumimim and also had like a secular education even though that's a very uncommon Chabad yeshivas and I decided to go to it and my mom was okay with it halfway through sophomore year I switched to this yeshiva on Muncie now it, it wasn't the best fit there was a lot of um, interesting stuff going on there to say the least um, but also tremendous Rabbi Chami, the Rosh Hashiva there, was a tremendous, uh, the Manal was a tremendous person. He had a tremendous, uh, he himself was a Baal so he related to me in a lot of different ways, and he was able to, he had a lot of empathy with me, and he helped me a lot through a lot of things, but it didn't feel like it was the proper fit for me for the next year. So so I'm like, eventually my mom, even when I went to the Shishiba, I was like, why don't you go back to Frisch? Why don't you go back to Frisch all the time? <laughs> all right. So I eventually gave in to my mom after realizing that this wasn't the right place for me in Monsi. <laughs> So I I had a conversation with Rabbi Sina. I remember I remember we had a we had, we, we like we had a talk with him. I remember I went to I went to Rabbi Konikov's house and I had a talk with him about about this whole situation, and he goes, "Yeah, why don't you go back to Frisch, right?" So I'm like, "Okay, fine, I'll go back to Frisch." I had a talk with Rabbi Sina. Rabbi Sina agreed to basically take me out of half the classes <laughs> during the day to go ahead and let me learn. And that's a tremendous thing. At that time in Frisch, nowadays you can have, you have, they have more of a structured, like you have a base madras program and you have, if you get a certain amount of people from my understanding, I don't know if this is true, but, but from, from what I heard is if you get a certain amount of people, they could take you out of any class and like get your Rebbe, hire a Rebbe to go ahead and teach you. Uh, right? But uh, at that time, no one, did, no one did that. Right. So, so, so Rebbe Sinner saw my situation and we had a tremendous, we had, we had a very close connection. And he, and he let me, he basically, he said, he'll, you know, I'll take you out of these classes. And he also said he'll get a chavrusa to learn with me. Like a, a rabbi to come and learn with me. So I, I set up a couple of with some of the rabbis in Frisch. But eventually, it, it, it took halfway through it. At the, at the first half of the year, I was a little more out of it. I was like, I don't want to really be here, right? I, feel like, I felt like I was like, I just want to go to a place where I can sit and learn. I, I don't have to, 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 like, you know, even though I wasn't like so, I guess, involved in learning, like the way I am now. I felt like I'm saying at least culturally I wanted to be in yeshiva. I didn't want to be in in high school. So for the first half of the year, I wasn't so doing so good in my classes because I was like I didn't want to be there. Right. Right. But there's something that clicked to me halfway through the year. Halfway through the year is also when Rabbi Sinner went ahead and actually practicalized what he offered in the beginning of the year that he would get a chibrusa with me and he hired. I don't understand. Like he, he, he didn't just go ahead and like get a rabbi from Frisch. He hired his name is Rabbi Berkstein from Fairlawn to come learn with me. And we started learning together, and that was oh. my real first... Meaning, even though I was learning Chassidus beforehand, this was when I was really getting into it. He was, he I had was a personal r- rabbi. Yeah, he's Chabad. He's a shliach in Fairlam. He's an he's he's, he's assistant rabbi in Fairlam. At least, I hope I'm not getting it wrong. Um, but he's a shliach in Fairlam. Yeah. And, which is a couple of... Which is like a 10-minute drive from Frisch. So they get... So Rabbi Sinner was actually, I think, at some event, and Rabbi Yudin from Fairlam was there. And Rabbi Sinner set out my situation. Rabbi Yudin said I had a perfect guy to learn with him. And they connected, Rabbi Yudin from Fairlawn connected 
Rabbi Sin, Rabbi Berkstein, Rabbi Berkstein started coming to Frisch, and we started learning Derech Mitzvah Secha together. The Mitzvah, Manasal, of course, the Mitzvah, believing in Hashem. And that's, well, that was really, as much as I was learning Chassis beforehand, that's when I really started getting into it. Rabbi Berkstein, it's tremendous Talmud Chacham. Um, and I had it. I had like I had him for three days a week for for an hour straight, right? And and, and it was a tremendous amount of chizik for me. I was really getting into it. I was really starting to understand more of the concepts. All these different concepts, all these different realms, and how it's not only how it is like you know like in in the spiritual sense, but how to practicalize it to your avodas Hashem, to your service of Hashem, in a tangible way. Right. right? A lot of times, you know, like people talk about all these ideas and all these. In a spiritual sense, that's not really practical. Really what Chabad Chassidus, I'm saying all Chassidus in general does this, right? But Chabad Chassidus in particular gets you to understand the concepts and practicalize them to your, and may relate them to your, to, to, to your, to your day-to-day life. So I really gained that from him at that moment in time. And halfway through the year is also when I said to myself, you know, if I'm going to be here, Meaning at the first half of the year, I was saying to myself, okay, I don't want to be here. And I was like trying to go ahead and like get all, like to get out of everything, right? Meaning I wasn't doing so well in classes. But in the second half of the year, I'm like, if I'm going to be here, I might as well make the, make the best out of it. Right. And a complete perspective change. So I started doing better in classes. That's when my mom's happy about that, right? right. And, and, and not only that, I said, I'm like, you know, I don't have so much to give over, but let me give over. Let me give over. So I started a Tanya club during breakfast. Wait, wait, Shout wait. out to the Tanya Club. What, like, what, why did that idea get into your head? They, like, what is that? Because Chabad's very connected to Tanya, right? Okay. And I was learning a little bit of Tanya beforehand, and I wanted to give over the inspiration that I had learned. So I said to myself, why, why better? I'm saying, if I'm going to be here, then I'm, I might as well just be here for a positive reason and make the, my surroundings into, into, into a more positive place. Wow. Right. The famous line from the Rebbe, right? If you know Aleph, teach Aleph. So. Exactly. So I didn't know so much at that time. I'm saying I did, I did know. I, 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 would, I would say I, I would probably know. I, I knew a lot more than like an average high schooler, right? But I'm saying I didn't know. Like, but I felt like I had, I had a, Christ, uh, like a responsibility to go ahead and, and give over what I have learned. Right. So how do you get a bunch of high schoolers in 11th grade to come to a Tanya club during breakfast? There's only one, an- so what do you only do? one answer. Food. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah, food. Obviously food, right? So I set up a GoFundMe. I set up a GoFundMe, and obviously I sent it to all my family members, right? <laughs> because that's who else is going to give money. And my dad spread it around because my dad connected to a lot of people. And I ended up making 500 bucks, right? 500 bucks wow. in total. <laughs> so I had enough breakfast for the whole year, right? So I would get like a cake or something. And, you know, I, that's how you draw the people in, right? You draw the people in. And I, I, if you go ahead and you go, you, you probably ask, Isaac Gdansky was there, Alex Gdansky, uh, Israel, uh, sorry, Yitzchak and Israel were there, yeah? Uh, uh, um, um, Gabi Silver were there sometimes, I think. Elliot Kaplan was there. We had a group of people coming there. Sammy Haber was there for a bit. And, and they probably understood nothing I said. And maybe I, didn't even, maybe I didn't even understand what I said, right? But at least we were trying. We were trying to connect to Hashem and obviously get food on the way, right? I, lo- uh, I love that. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It's just like a bunch of high schoolers, like... Talking about Tanya. I love that. Yeah. Right. So it was a daily Tanya. I was teaching a little Tanya every day. And, and so, so I was growing a lot more. And Rabbi Sinar initially, when I came back for 11th grade, he told me that if I find a Shiva to go to in 12th grade, he'll let me graduate early if I do work for him on the side. Meaning when I still go to Yeshiva. And I'll still get a diploma from Frisch. I don't know if this is supposed to be public, so I'm sorry, Rabbi Sinar, if this is not supposed to be public. But uh, <laughs> Oh, man. So, so, so. So it comes along 12th grade. I didn't find the yeshiva in the beginning of the year. I wasn't able to find a place that would really fit me. 
So Rabbi Sinner told me, stay here until Hanukkah, and then after Hanukkah, I'll let you go wherever you want. Meaning you don't have to even do any work anymore, right? You'll, you'll fulfill my requirements. Because in, in, in Lamela, like, you know, the second half of senior year is, is a joke anyways, right? <laughs> like, there's internships and, like, and whatever it is. And, like, you're not part in, you're, you're not in school, like, half the time. And anyways, during senior year, I only had three classes a day. It was English, history, and math. <laughs> and the rest of the day I was learning or chilling. I remember at that time, two of my friends, Elliot and Emmanuel, got, got like, this ping pong like, like, uh, what is it called? A ping pong, um, what, yeah. no, what is it called? A, net. a ping pong net. Yeah. And they would set it up on these tables and they would ditch class and start playing ping pong <laughs> in the middle of class. Right. So I was half the day doing that with them and half the day learning. And then, and then three classes a day, which is like, like, adds up to like probably an hour and a half, an hour, 45 minutes or something. I was, I was actually learning secular stuff. Right. So I found the yeshiva to go to halfway through senior year. And this was the yeshiva in New Haven. And I remember at the end when, at the end of my time in Frisch, I remember it was, it, was, it was the last day of Hanukkah. And, and like, in Hanukkah, Frisch had a, had a, a candle lighting with, uh, with, with all the people, right? With all the school, right? At the end of the day, meaning the Dam Mincha, candle lighting. And, and like, you know, and then they would do raffles at the end of the day for all these like cute prizes and stuff, right? So that day was grandparents' day. It was the last day of Hanukkah and all the grandparents were there. And Rabbi Sinner, and Rabbi Sinner would call a different person to go ahead and say the raffle numbers. So he, so he announced to everyone, I'm leaving the school, Right, oh, wow. and he calls me up, and I'm like, I, I'm I'm a little shy in nature, right. so maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable, whatever. So I go up and I call out the numbers, and after I come down, meaning and Rabbi Sinner says I'm going to yeshiva, and all all the grandparents congratulate me like as if I'm some such like big thing, which yeshiva, whatever, right? So right. so it was a, it was a, it was a, it was an incredible experience. I mean I don't incredible, but it was an interesting experience. Got it. Right? Got it. So I went to yeshiva New Haven. I went to yeshiva New Haven. And at that point, I was like very, very like set in my Chabad ways. I, I, I I'll go ahead and say it, right? I went to Shiva New Haven, and I was really starting to get learning Chassidus there a lot more. Like I was really, it was really intensely more, and I was learning a couple of hours a day. At that time, at that time, I started learning the Rebbe Shab, which is the fifth of Baal Rebbe. That's basically what I learned most of the day nowadays. Tremendous mind, from philosophy, psychology, Chassidus, every part of Torah is all together. If you ever want, if you ever want to really get a sense for the depth of Chassidus. I would say go to the Rashab. Meaning, I mean, all of Chassidus is deep. All of Chassidus is incredible, right? right, right? right. Can you, but, but, can you describe, I don't know, three, four sentences? Like, what, what is Chassidus? It's a different pair of glasses. Chassidus is a lot of things. Chassidus is a lot of things. I'm giving you three, you could three say sentences. It's, go. <laughs> how to integrate every aspect of your life to service of Hashem. And that's achieved through many ways. There's some chassidists which are more, like, you know, practically like avoidadik, meaning like teach you lessons to go ahead and how to practically serve Hashem with happiness, you know, not being sad. And some chassidists are more intellectual, like we have Chabad, which I'm particularly like, uh, that's most of the stuff I learned from, right? Which is more of like ingraining Hashem within your intellect, uh, making, making everything in an understandable Way so that can meaning and the sheet of Chabad is that by going ahead and controlling your mind by intellectualizing by understanding the concepts of the inner secrets of the Torah in a practical way in a tangible way it will lead to emotion and avoid Hashem and connect him you'll, you'll start feeling emotion to Hashem a love of Hashem a fear of Hashem and that will lead to eventually changing your life making every aspect of your life towards connection of Hashem. And like, like at that period of time in my life, 
when I was when I was delving into the Arba Shabbos Chassidus and I was getting a lot, a lot of um, when I was getting a lot of my Torah from there, meaning even today, I started things seeing things in different in a different perspective. You know, like it's not it's not that Hashem is found in the base medrash, and when I sit and learn Torah, when I'm sitting and and and, and, and learning a Gemara, I'm connected to Hashem. And then there's a different right. God that I connect to when I daven, in, and there's a different God when I connect to in the street. There's different meaning. It, it, it's it's meaning when you start. What I really think Chassidus unlocked for me, what I really think that it, that it can help. We have a tremendous we have a tremendous problem. I feel like today in our society, yeah. in our, in the firm world, a person can be sitting and learning all day to learn Gemara, and that's tremendous, incredible, and it's incredible. It's incredible, right? right. And he could be davening and moving his hands and like, you know, doing all the hand motions that you see people doing in davening. And he could not be thinking about Hashem for one moment of the day. What Chassidus does, what Chassidus did to me, was it ingrained every aspect of my life from when I sit and learn the base Madrash to when I'm walking down the street towards the service of Hashem. It's an, it, you, start, you start seeing the world in a different light. Everything becomes part of this grander goal of revealing Hashem within every aspect of reality. So I was getting in type with that when I was in New Haven and really a little bit before that, Rabbi Berkstein, but I was like, you know, getting the language, the Rabbi Shab speaks with a tremendous amount of language. Like, like his language is very beautiful. He's able to express himself right. in, in a tremendous way that I feel like I haven't found in a lot of other people. And, and that, that really resonated with me. Right, wow. So then, so yeah. Now, sometimes you might hear people I'm sure you've heard people say, you know, ah, it's not for me. I don't connect to it. Um, do you think there's something in Hasidus that, that, you know, is there, should everyone be learning Hasidus? Is pretty much what I'm asking. I don't want to get a lot of flack for, talk, for answering this question. I mean, whoever's listening to the podcast. But, but um, I think there's something to gain. I, I think there's different aspects of Hasidus and, and different people connect to different things. But I think there's something fundamental that was revealed. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's not like it wasn't there beforehand. All the concepts that we see in Chassidus were in Yiddishkeit beforehand. It was just expressed and it was, it was brought to the day of light. I think there's a tremendous amount that a person can gain from Chassidus. And, and when a person says that he doesn't, he doesn't connect to Chassidus so much, I think it's just a matter of going ahead and trying more and more and eventually you'll find the place that you connect to. But I think everyone can go ahead and connect and gain from something that we learn from Chassidus. From, so I'm saying it doesn't have to be like a big thing. It doesn't have to be calling yourself a Chassid. It's just, it's just practically, I'm saying if you look, there's a tremendous vastness of Torah. There's thousands and thousands of swarm. Right. And, and, like, I, I, and like you haven't been exposed to everything. So how can you go ahead and say that I don't connect to everything? So I think there's something out there for everyone and everyone can gain something. From it, right? Can you uh, suggest, you know, Rebbe, you know, you said the Rebbe Rishab has beautiful language for people who are not so well versed in uh, in the Rebbe Rishab and and deep concepts. Can you suggest one or two svarim that they can uh, check out? So uh, the obvious qu- answer is Tanya to that, right? The first part of Tanya. I mean, I mean, that's what you would go ahead and like. Um, that's what you would think I would answer you, and that's what I, you've been giving the answer to a lot of people, like. Um, Throughout, a lot of people ask me this question. So, so for the first part of Tanya, but I think I'm going to change it up a little bit this time. The first part of Tanya is great, but you can get lost in the sauce in the first couple of Prakim because he starts talking about, the, about, uh, about, this, about all these splits between Rosh Hashanah and Yitzhadik, and it's very difficult for all people to relate to that because based upon 
what the rabbi, uh, the rashab, the alter rabbi goes ahead and uh, and establishes in the first couple of prakram tanya are basically all rashaim. So a lot of people are, have a hard time connecting to that. So I really think, um, I mean, again, first part of tanya if you're up to it, if you haven't tried it, it's a. I think everyone eventually should go ahead and go get up to that. But if you want. A perception, like a more of like this understanding of what I was talking about earlier, of seeing Hashem within everything, ingrained within every aspect of reality. Shara Yichud Vamuna is very good. That's the second part of Tanya. Really, when the Alter Rebbe wrote Tanya, his intention was to put Shara Yichud Vamuna first, and then put Sefer Shlavein in him. Shara Yichud Vamuna basically talks about how Hashem is present everywhere. How tzimtzum, what this concept of Tzimtzum is, Hashem is contracted and everything, and how then in reality that's not real. And how to perceive Hashem within the world around us, and that all of concealment really boils down to greater revelation, to greater connection. It's all for the sake of greater connection. Sajar Shaykhid Vamuna is very great for that. Lakutta Sikhas, if you're more like a lumdis guy, if you like learning Gemara more, then Lakutta Sikhas is filled with a tremendous amount of Chadushim, not only in Chassidus, but like in Primus Atar, but also in Nigla. Lakutta Sikhas is amazing. And any, let's say, an English book? I started. I recently started reading this book called "The Basics of Chassidus." Um, um, it's 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 basically like they're trying to go ahead and go to make an encyclopedia of all Chassidus in English. So so the first the first part is that it's called "The Basics of Chassidus," the origins of Chalach Chassidus, and I tremendous. I really think that it does a good job explaining what Chassidus is and what Chassidus the purpose of Chassidus was, and some of the fundamental concepts of Chassidus. Okay, amazing. And now we've spoken about in the past the concept of Dira Betachtonim. Can you explain, you know, in short, what that is and, you know, how can we apply it to our own lives? So the Altar says in the 36th chapter of Tanya, according to Medrash, that the reason why Hashem created the world was Nisava that Hashem desired to have a dwelling place in this world. Now, seemingly speaking, it wouldn't make sense for Hashem to go ahead. Hashem is perfect, Hashem is infinite, He has everything. Right. What does He want? comes along the Altar Rebbe, comes along the Medrash, and it says, not only does Hashem want you, but Hashem wants you infinitely, and it's as if, it's if, again, I'm not saying Hashem can't live without you, right? because Hashem obviously exists, and He's unlimited, and He's not lacking anything. But Hashem decides, it's as if it's not worth for me to exist, if you're not around. Okay. And that connection can only be built in the lowest world. When you're in front of something, when you have something present in front of you, you tend to go ahead and take it for granted. Many relationships that we have, you know, we don't appreciate them. We don't, we don't see how great they are and how good these things are to our lives until they're gone. Right. Only once, you, only once they're gone are you able to truly start to understand and appreciate what you had or what you have. So B'dir B'tachtoyne means that connection to Hashem Hashem's very essence can only happen in a state where he's completely void, where it's a tachton she'en tachton lamata menu. It's the lowest of the low. There's nothing beneath it. Hashem's not present. Hashem doesn't seem present in our world. You look at the world and this is, the world seems as if it runs independent from Hashem. And only in the, within that state of reality are you able to truly connect to Him. Right. Because you only start to appreciate, you only start to connect to something really on an essential level once you don't have it in front of you. All right. Wow. Awesome. Um, that I mean that requires we'll do a, we'll do a part two we'll uh, and uh, you know that requires a lot more exploring but just okay, let's let's round this off and what you know what are, what did you do after New Haven um, and where are you going now where are you what are you what's the goals so so after New Haven um, obviously COVID hit so uh, New Haven ended early there wasn't really after New Haven 
right? So I'm saying and as COVID did to everyone, everyone got a little bit taken a step. I mean, I don't know if everyone, but a lot of people got taken a, step, a couple of steps back and when they come back, came back home and they were stuck at home for like four months straight, right? So so I was a little bit of home and I was a little bit like, like I'm saying, I was still learning and stuff, but I was like a little bit less, um, I guess, you know, like inspired and stuff. And the next year, I, just, I wanted to go to Israel and I was still like very involved in the Chabad system. So I told the yeshiva in Yerushalayim called Taras Ames. I went there to the yeshiva. I was there for a year. Um, at that point in time, I realized that I guess the Chabad structure or the culture, I mean, again, I'm very connected to Chabad Hasidus and I would actually consider myself Chabad, right? But it felt like a little bit very, like, very intense, like, and everything has to be in this and this way. So I was in, in Taras Ames for a year. I gained a tremendous amount. I learned a lot, tremendous amount there. I was in a smicha program there and I finished that after the year. Wow. Um, and then I decided to go ahead and like maybe go to like more an open-minded American style yeshiva. So what open style American style yeshiva is there that uh, everyone goes to nowadays? Obviously Mevaseret, right? It's a place to be. So I had a bunch of friends in Mevaseret. Yeah, a place to be. I had a bunch of friends in Mevaseret. So I'm like, I want a place that I feel more comfortable and that's more my type of style. You know, so I went to Mevaseret. I, got, I, I, I was very connected to our Berg there. Shout out to our Berg if our Berg listens to this. A lot of shout outs. And I had a tremendous year in Israel last year. And right now I'm in YU getting a degree for psychology. And hopefully Mirza Hashem will use that in the future. I want to maybe go into Chinuch and then also look into therapy. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, so yeah, I think your story is, is amazing. You know, where you, where you came from, Eretz Israel, traditional, Salman Shechter, all the way through Frisch, to Mivasarit, to where you are now. Um, and where you're going, super, super incredible. And for me, at least, like one of the main points is, uh, you know, the, the support that, that people, you know, like we mentioned before, that people were helping you and, and, and uh, supporting your, where you wanted to go. So, uh, yeah, incredible. And again, Chasidos, I think, right, uh, I heard once from Shlomo from Zusha, right, saying how Yiddishkeit, uh, you have this beautiful house, but without Chasidos, the, the, you know, the lights are off. And you're just bumping into things, and there's lots of no's and you know do's and don'ts. But you're knocking into tables, and it's heavy and painful <laughs> uh, until you learn chasidos, right? And you're saying like, and and then the lights are turned on, and you see everything. You see how all the mitzvot, all the psukim, all of Torah connects to you, right? And you're saying how it's, it becomes practical uh, for your life. So I think you expressed that beautifully as well. And Mirzashem, people will be inspired. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's a tremendous honor. You're doing great work. Keep it up.